Hello everyone, and welcome to another edition of Learn From Gaming Podcast. Thank you for joining us as we get to some of our favorite games and discuss inappropriate things before we start the show, so I laugh about it. Yes, you can give Kate the hose that's in the back of the garage. And, and, and we'll just, we, yeah, we could just restart yeah. then. That's no, fine. that's fine. Let's fine. just keep going. It's okay. fine. Yeah, okay. No, well, then I, then I have to edit out the, the bit about life. me. I'm going to edit out the bit about me saying, let's let's cut this. Cause <laughs> okay. You can do whatever you want. I'm not going to, though. I'm just going to say it. I'm way uh, too lazy to actually cut that. So I am uh, going to interrupt you again. You're, are, I feel like we're still that's still happening. It didn't stop. <laughs> Okay, um, so this is a podcast where we talk about our favorite games and discuss what we can learn from them and also why we like them. For those of you out there who are counting, this is episode 24. Thanks for sticking around for so long. Um, and it is May 24th, 2018. Uh, really important to follow the date because that is relevant. Um, sometimes people send in emails and wonder why they don't hear their emails for a little while it's just because we we do a bit of a backlog so uh definitely track by the date if you can so my name is chase strollenberg and i'm joined today by a mystery voice and it's not my wife uh no it's not your wife i'm Stu gritter i'm not your wife there's you a were like big distinction almost there. my wife you're almost my common law wife we probably were a common law for a while pretty close i'd be surprised if we weren't I, it it felt is common it three law. years or four years in Ontario? I don't know. It's a bunch. Okay. Yeah. Well, we were close. We were close, yeah. and then we weren't. We mm. almost were until we weren't. Um, but yeah, Stu Gritter, how are you, Stu? I'm tired, but well. How are you? <laughs> I'm in the same boat. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, work has boat. been consistently busy and has not stopped being busy. And then um, with summer comes things that happen every weekend. So it's it's like yeah. things don't you don't really get a breather. You kind of do. And I mean, it, like, I'm not just to be clear. I'm not complaining. Right. It's just. Yeah. It's life just gets busy. busy. Yeah. When you're an adult, life gets busy. Because um, every weekend somebody wants to do a thing because it's nice outside. And then yeah. you got to go and do these things, but everybody wants to do a thing with you, so you got to do a thing with everybody. But you can't do it all at once because that's crazy. Yeah, I got really good at saying no when I was working midnights. Um, it oh, was that's really, fair. really easy to be like, "No, just leave me alone. <laughs> no, stop talking to me. That, leave yeah, me alone." That, that's totally fair. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm gonna sleep all weekend. That's what I'm gonna do. But uh, now that I work days and I'm a normal person again. Uh, it's not <coughs> harder to say no. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's harder to say no. It's, uh, <laughs> actually, I still find it okay, just as okay. easy. It could be harder to say. Yeah, no. <laughs> it should be harder. I shouldn't be such a, and, uh, there's hmm, not, there's hermit? not a, there's not a go-to excuse to say no. Yeah. 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 Well, right. So, uh, for anybody who's yeah. joining us for the first time, um, we are social isolationists. <laughs> Who, who hate each other, uh, no, who hate the world. No, um, for, for those of you who, who have never actually joined us before, well, you're in for a trip. Um, uh, <laughs> what we do is we try to stay on point as often as possible, mm-hmm. but um, today today is just not happening. No, no. What we actually like we'll to do there. with the podcast is we like to focus on the intrinsic educational value of games or even just the exper- experiential uh, value of games. of games yeah yeah so like the the stuff that you take away from a game and sometimes it can be like oh you know i i, I was actually reading more text than i was 
from a novel, <laughs> depending on what game yeah. you're playing, or um, learning geography, stuff like that. But also, um, like, just some of the weird sort of life-defining stuff that comes up every now and again. And maybe I- I'm, I'm interested to see what Stu chooses as his game, but the game that I want to focus on today is very much a social experience for me um and it's it's almost like a bookmark in a period of time in my life so uh i mean that's how a lot of our episodes play out uh, like we're able to zone in on on specific sort of times in our lives and then describe our experiences with these games that we enjoyed mm-hmm. uh, but um that's really what we're trying to go for here uh nobody has told us that we're doing a bad job yet <laughs> so oh, that's true yeah 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 um so we're just gonna keep doing it because we seem to enjoy it and we've gotten this far um all right Stu. so did you have anything off the top you wanted to talk about before we jump into what we learned this month uh no not nothing nothing off the top of my head okay um, well then, why don't we jump into what we learned this month? Yeah. Okay, so this is what we learned this month. So this is the segment of the show where we discuss things we learned about gaming this month. Um, Stu, you and I like tech. We like gaming news. Um, so if you, the listener, have a new story you want us to talk about, feel free to email us at learnfromgamingpodcast at gmail.com. That's learnfromgamingpodcast at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, we'll read your email out loud for everyone here. Yeah. And then we'll discuss whatever article it is you shoot at us. So, Stu, did you have any news you wanted to talk about? Um, I guess there are two things. Uh, one, it's kind of the first time we've had a game that we've talked about a little bit uh, actually be released. And that's Detroit. Oh, yeah. Yep, it's the be- uh, become human yep. released. I think today. Um, yep. So I'm just putting that out there. It's a thing we kind of talked about it a bit, and now it's a real thing, which is nice. So I haven't looked into it at all because it was released no today, time. and yeah. yeah. <clears throat> so and I think it's I think it's only on uh, a PS4. Yeah. Yeah. So I I'm in a position where I can get it, um, and it's a little bit in my wheelhouse. I'm interested to see, I mean, I, I really, really love representations of AI, and I'm interested to see how this will ultimately play out, and whether it'll be a good game or not. Um, yeah, and and just, but, just the exploration yeah. of transhumanism, I think, is going to be enough to make me want to, like, listen to or watch somebody play the game, at least. Yeah. Um, so I'll find a streamer or somebody, I'm sure. Okay, yeah, and I'm, I'm sure the game looks good. Yeah. <laughs> oh, hopefully. no doubt. No doubt. Hopefully, you know. Um, yeah. <coughs> well, that's good. Um, yeah, I've seen a few uh, reviews on it, but I haven't gotten past the uh, the headline. So. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah just not the day for it. Um, okay. So Anything else that, you wanted to talk about? Uh, the only other thing, um, which is a sad thing, mm. is um, John Bain died today. Who is John Bain? John Bain, is, his online handle was Total Biscuit. Are, wow, Fi- really? He, yeah, I've been wrestling with uh, cancer for quite a long time, and today was the day. Wow. Which is super sad. I think that the community is really at a loss for that. It's not, it's not, it's not a good thing. 
he had a couple wow. polarizing opinions, but by and large was a a good pillar in the gaming community. Hmm. That's, uh, yeah. Sad wow. day. Sad day. Okay, well. Wow, 33. At 33. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's kind of sad. Yep. <laughs> okay, well, uh, learned that people die of cancer. That's very sad. Um, yeah, so th- that that's it for me. Okay. <laughs> On that note. Over to you. Um, okay, so Stu, yeah. uh, we talked about PlayStation 4. Um, there's a lot of news going around right now just because E3 is coming up. Um, and yeah. PlayStation CEO was recorded as saying, um, well, Sony CEO was recording as saying uh, that the PlayStation 4 is winding down. Uh, yeah. That, uh, which... It's so funny because I don't know why people are surprised. Maybe it had a lot to do with the fact that uh, 360, uh, Xbox 360 and PlayStation 3 had such a long life. But the traditional game console life cycle is five years. These guys took a while, yeah. Um, and we are in, I believe it's year four of, uh, of the life cycle for the PlayStation 4. So um, there's a lot of leaks about what's going to be getting uh, released and talked about at P3 for PlayStation. PlayStation has suggested they're only going to be talking about four games. One of those games is going to be Dreams, which is a game that I'm interested in because it's basically like a video game design game, but without needing to know how to code. Um, and I'm interested to see how that works. And I haven't really taken a lot of time to, to explore it or understand it yet. Um, but it sounds like it has a lot of promise. Um, mm-hmm. But, uh, yeah, so, I don't know. Um, I'm thinking there will be a PlayStation 5 announcement on the horizon, but I don't think it's going to be this E3. Um, that said, owning the PlayStation 4, even just for, I think, the, the last month or two that I have, it has been a really enjoyable console. Uh, games are getting to the point where, like, uh, a sort of like release or closer to release games, or even games that are only a year or something old, um, they're very reasonably par- priced if they're used. So I've been having a lot of fun just picking up stuff and building my library on the side with uh, with spare change or even just uh, trade-ins at my local store. Which uh, a little bit of sad news on my end, my uh, my local. Ooh, my local gaming store, not uh, like brick and mortar uh, mom and pop shop. It was called The Basement. It got shut down. Um, uh, They had to declare bankruptcy. They made some bad financial decisions that led to uh, some pretty big bills. And yeah, they're not around anymore. Mm -hmm. And they're trying to stay out of uh, um, personal bankruptcy as well. Both of the owners just, yeah, yeah, things... Things got a little hairy. That's not um, good. Made some real bad decisions. Um, so yeah, I'm gonna miss that place. I'm gonna miss <clears throat> both uh, both of the owners. They were really, really um, like really knew their stuff. You you don't. I mean, I'm not gonna say that uh, most used store or used game stores uh, they don't know their stuff. But a lot of used game stores are very much about the money. And unfortunately, these guys weren't. They were about the experience and about just like enjoying the hobby. Yeah. Um, yeah. 
and yes, passion doesn't always win in the game of capitalism. Yeah. But uh, that said, like they were awesome guys. They still are. Like they haven't gone anywhere. They're just in <laughs> sort of a, a difficult spot. Yeah. Um. So. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um. Mm, yeah. So maybe PlayStation Five in a couple of years. Um. Which means Xbox is going to scramble to follow suit, and Nintendo's just going to keep doing what they do because <laughs> yeah. they don't give a shit. They do whatever they want. Well, I think a couple of years. I think was on the. On the inside, I think their initial projection was maybe 2021. Yes, I I think I read that somewhere as well. Um, if that's the case, then this life cycle will be close to as long as the 360 and uh, and PlayStation 3. Yeah. Um, and if that's the case, that's actually... I mean, some people are kind of on the fence about it, but that's actually pretty good. I mean, I prefer a drawn-out life cycle. Uh, I, I mean, five years... Yeah, it's just uh, for you and me, people, and anybody who owns a PC. It's just weird because it's it's like discussing a as, computer that got made five years ago and yeah. was old by the time it got released. Yeah, like as an enthusiast, I swap out. I used to swap out my parts more often than I do now, and I I don't I still I don't have anything in my machine that's five years old. Yeah. Um. But what's what's really interesting is we're seeing a lot of like mid life cycle upgrades in things like the uh, the the Xbox X or the the Pro. Yeah. So uh, just performance upgrades, getting things up to uh, sixty frames per second, up to four K. Yeah. Um, that doesn't. I mean, it it changes a little bit of what's going on under the hood. Um, and by a little bit, I mean it brings it up to four K, which is a big deal. Yeah. Um. And I don't know. I don't know if they're going to make, like, exclusive games for those systems or not. I haven't done enough uh, research, and people might be screaming at me about it. But um, it's, yeah, you're almost splintering your market when you do that because then you're ostracizing the people who haven't made the jump to 4K yet. Yeah. You're not ostracizing, sorry. You're just, you know, like... Uh, not capitalizing Yeah, when well. you choose to make a game that is exclusively for the Pro or for the Xbox One X... Um, that's when you start limiting your market to like yeah. the most affluent of affluence. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, uh, did something else. I uh, learned something else this week. And oh. it's that um, there's only so much that I can say about this. I can't give away the name of the game that I was playing. Because uh, uh, simply due to my occupation, I'm not allowed to reveal IP. Um, I risk my job even just talking about this but i played an educational game for <laughs> for work to teach me ethics uh that was provided by my parent company huh. um nice did, so did, they exist did you learn any ethics oh you know what Stu? it was like it was an okay vehicle for what it was okay um but i can Oh, as I was playing it, there was just so many things rolling around inside my head uh, because there was also this promotional video that came with it, and the promotional video was actually pretty slick and really well designed and had like great acting. Um, and I, then I played the game, and the game had graphics like a step above an N sixty four. Um, like the, you know those Mountain Blade characters. Uh, remember how horrible they were even at the time when we played mountain blade 
like yeah, but- a world populated yeah. with them. And um I mean the rest of the rest of the world populated with objects that look like they were pulled right out of stunts. So the old DOS game, the 3D DOS game. Uh it was yeah. bad. Um <clears throat> but uh I don't know. It was the entire game was based on like you were getting scored for your ethical responses to inquiries and events that you encountered. Hmm. And there, uh, all I could think was like the writing was so subpar because you just ended up being like you ended up being this wet blanket of an asshole who every time anybody talks to you you like you're able to isolate okay this is what you're doing wrong and this is why yeah um and so then like you spend the entire game just chastising everybody and that's how you win the game is by chastising everybody. Douche. Um, yeah, well, and I was yeah, like, there yeah. are ways to create dialogue uh, trees that would allow for this to be a whole lot less wet blankety, right? Like, you are the wettest, most sopping of all blankets being thrown on each person you meet. Um, uh, fun. Fun. So, yeah. Yeah. There was also, like, it was a, there was a, this open area where I got lost. And luckily there's a teleport feature because I was just walking around the town that they had provided because part of the instructions was um search the town because there will be hidden like hidden pieces of paper that will have like advice on being more ethical um so i took that like as a video game player i took that to heart yeah and i really explored the space and i may have played it a little longer than anybody else played that game yeah because i was also maybe trying to break it well that no that's fair as a gamer i think as an out, <coughs> you're probably an outlier in terms of the people who were uh, interacting with this particular piece yeah. of material. And, and you know what? Like it, it functioned. Um, th- there are a lot of internal policies that I have a much better understanding with now. In fact, I uh, like one of the ethical situations I actually found myself in recently. Um, so, it, it, like it, it worked. Like, and it was an ethical situation that I encountered after having this training, and I was like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, no, I, I know how I have to respond to this and what uh, what I have to do. Um, so it, it worked, but man, was it clunky. And I guarantee you most people just turned it off. You had the option of either playing the game or taking a test. I did not take the test. I just played the game. Yeah. Um, and I, I anticipate that many people started playing the game thinking it was going to be better and eventually just turned it off and played the test. I, I don't know what the completion rate on that game must have been, but um, maybe I'll never know <laughs> because I'm, I don't have access to those analytics. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I gave some very constructive criticism afterwards. I uh, I had the option. There was a survey that you could perform afterwards, so I, uh, I took the time to really throw out some pointers. Yeah. Well, that's good. Uh, yeah, yeah, and that's all I've got. That's all I learned this week. All right, or month, or whatever, <laughs> whatever it's been. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so uh, now what? Do we want to move into the next section? Seems like the kind of thing we should do. Yeah. Okay, so then, um, let's just get into the meat of the show, which is what we learned from gaming. So this is uh, 
This is the section of the show where Stu and I pick a game that we've played and describe what we learned from it. So, Stu, do you want to go first? Do you want me to go first? I'm giving you the option. I'm definitely not going to throw you a curveball like last last time. <laughs> I promise. Um, I think there might be... See, I want you to go first because I think <laughs> there, there might be some interesting things that I'll be able to tie in. It'll, okay, we'll, cool. We'll see if it works. So, cool. Yeah, um, go ahead. Go ahead. <clears throat> just I'm going to lift the hood up for all of our viewers. Um, just so that you understand how this sometimes works, uh, we used to do a polite exchange of scripts. Um, and as our lives got busier, eventually it was just me politely giving my script to Stu, and Stu sometimes cryptically mentioning something that he might do. Um, but now we just enter shows where neither of us really know what the other is doing. It's totally blind. It's <laughs> yeah, fantastic. It's totally blind. So, like, um, <laughs> if you listen to the last show, the last show I dropped, uh, Keith Courage, um, for, for <laughs> TurboGrafx-16, a game that I don't particularly like. Um, and it... As it, an excuse to talk about <laughs> children's hospitals. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, Yeah. As long, uh, as, long as you don't little, fucking do that again, so I'm gonna you can go the first. Hood, <laughs> gonna slam the hood back down. That's not happening today. Uh, I don't think. I don't think it's gonna be that big. Okay. <clears throat> so the game I want to talk about today is Metal Gear Solid Three. <gasps> Hello, everybody. Okay, so I just paused the uh, I just paused the podcast, and I just wanted to have a little conversation with everybody first, just to let you know a little bit of background. Um, this section, I talk a lot about um, experiences with my friend Charlie, and after recording this podcast, I actually talked to Charlie about it, and he let me in on a little bit of magic that my memory has done to myself, because this is almost uh, two decades old uh, memory. So, I'm about to talk about Metal Gear Solid 3, as I just stated, and very shortly after this recording is done, you will hear Stu gasp and then say nice, because uh, he's excited about it. Um, but my memories of this game are me watching somebody else play it. So, I watched my friend Charlie play it, and my memory superimposed him playing it at uh, this this place we used to live at together with a bunch of other people. But what actually happened and what I actually saw it is, uh, is when we lived together in an apartment. Another apartment we used to call the House of Enlightenment. It was actually pretty cool as this open concept. Uh, we didn't have... We had, I think there was a door to get in and a door on the bathroom and everything else was just wide open. So we used like curtains for walls to... Uh, <laughs> basically hide what was going on in our bedrooms, which is probably what you might imagine for 20-something boys. Um, that said, uh, yeah, my memories of this event are slightly skewed. Uh, memories of uh, the individual who sat upstairs and smoked and played the game uh, were not, though. Uh, still pretty dead on. Uh, Mopey ex-boyfriend is a real thing. And, um, yeah, that's really it. So sorry about that, but I feel for authenticity's sake. instead, Like, this makes for a good story, but at the end of the day, just remember that the time that I spent watching this game was actually somewhere else. So you, you just get a whole little inside story about some other area where we used to live and uh, somebody broke a device. Okay, yeah, thank you for your time and uh, sorry about that.
Nice. So, Metal Gear Solid 3 was designed by Konami, but specifically Hideo Hideo Kojima. Sorry. Um, Kojima. So then uh, it was published by Konami. Uh, date of publishing was November 2004. So we are, wow, uh, 18 years? No, 14 years ago? 14. Mm-hmm. It's almost 15 years old. That's almost a 15-year-old game. Um, so it was an action-adventure slash stealth in a semi-open-world setting. Um, so the core mechanics was you basically use anything that you can encounter in your travels through a 3D world, um, which is actually a Soviet or Russian jungle in the 1960s, to infiltrate a Volgan, and that's the name of the bad guys, they're like uh, uber-Soviets, uh, facility, and take down the defecting traitor known as The Boss. Um, it's a real-time game, that uh, has, I mean, you can pause it, um, and that's how you do a little bit of your communications and um, a, a inventory management, which was actually a pretty big part of the game. Um, so it's a, it's got real-time play with an emphasis on taking your time to locate enemies and navigate uh, the dangerous jungle terrain. Um, now, this type of play made for some pretty long play times. For this game, um, there was also a stamina bar with a reliance on eating to refill it. Uh, there were ranged uh, ranged options for combat, so like there was a, a suite of weapons that you could get anywhere from like the humble handgun all the way to like rocket propelled or uh, fuel propelled rockets. And there was also cr- close quarters fighting, and I don't think that had been introduced. I think there was like a stealth kill that you could do in the original um, Metal Gear Solid 1 and 2, but I didn't play a lot of them. Um, yeah, there was. Uh, yeah, also there was uh, uh, there was also a camouflage um, component to this game oh, right, that would yeah. really influence okay. how well you could move through the terrain without being noticed. And, yeah, <laughs> so, um, yeah, so that's the, that's the basis for Metal Gear Solid. So I want to talk a little bit about this game. Yeah. Um, I've played it for approximately an hour and a half, which, if you know the game, which I also happen <laughs> to know really well, um, you know that that's not a lot of time to spend specifically with this game. Yeah. Now, the reason why I want to talk about this game is this was one of the first games that I ever experienced as an audience member instead of an active player. Ah. So, 2004, um, 2003, 2004, I lived in a house with, uh, wow, four other people? Yeah, with four other people. I was the fifth. Um, and I lived in the basement. I was a basement dweller uh, with my friend Charlie. And I'm not going to name too many other names uh, just because I know Charlie won't care, but mm-hmm. other people might. Um, and we, when we lived in this house, there was uh, three girls, myself and Charlie. Um, and there were two PlayStation 2s in this house. One was mine and one was one of the, the other girls. And we had one that was set up upstairs on a TV that I had brought uh, when we moved in. And then I also had like a big, well, a smaller CRT TV in my room. And I would play games in my room. Um, Like we would go upstairs and play multiplayer games if we wanted. But usually we played stuff downstairs. And Metal Gear Solid 3 
was an upstairs game. It was a game that everybody wanted to watch because at the time it was almost like watching a really long Bond movie. Yeah. Um, Because just like the way that Hideo or the way that Kojima makes games or made games. um, I I mean, he's still making them, but now things are getting real Uh, weird. Yeah. Um, it just lent to such a cinematic presentation yeah. um, that I could come upstairs, sit down, and just watch this for minutes, hours, didn't matter. Like, I, I could just sit and watch it. Yeah. I didn't care if I ever played the game because I, I, so many other people would take their, their shot at it. Um, so Charlie played a lot of this game, um, and I remember watching him play a lot of this game. And it was interesting because... Like, I actually got to watch him learn how to play it, yeah. watch him learn how to engage with uh, the eating system, so the stamina system, um, watch him learn the hard way about how to use camouflage, because yep. I think when he fought the sniper boss, uh, and I mean, that, like, mild spoilers for a 14-year-old well, game, yeah. there was a sniper boss. Um, <laughs> like, he he figured out that if he put on a specific type of camo, he could move a little better because that sniper boss was an asshole. Um, <laughs> like a real, real who, asshole. Who had a really easy way around, which we'll get to. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we can definitely talk about that. But I mean, this was also, I, I don't know. It was just, it, this definitely represents like a weird sort of bookmark in my life where um, I learned a lot of stuff about sharing but also about recognizing when you need to just sort of pull away. Um, and what I mean by that is one of our housemates had a boyfriend who decided to move in with us. Um, there wasn't really an inquiry, like nobody really asked permission. It just sort of happened. So it went from five people in a house to six people in a house. Um, and he would play this game nonstop. Uh, and then he would like sort of go outside, smoke a cigarette, come back in, or he would just leave the system on and go downstairs and do what early 20 somethings do with their boyfriends and girlfriends, um, for extended periods of time. But, um, yeah, I was so happy that my PlayStation two was in my bedroom because this game was left on so long that uh, uh, the the other girl's PlayStation burned out. No kidding. Like, oh, shit. Yeah, killed it. They killed it. Um, it stopped working. Um, and eventually they <laughs> asked if they could play on mine, and I'm like, are you going to leave it running like you did the last one? Um, and, I mean, eventually uh, uh, things came to a head, and that gentleman exited. But, uh, oh, man, <laughs> this guy was so... He was so goofy. Like, I, we'd come upstairs. Uh, you know how sometimes... And I guess this was just, I, I was just a, a different experience for me for gaming. You know how some some people have, like, volatile reactions to failures in games, right? Yeah, um, yeah. You know, you get angry. Like, this dude would throw shit. <laughs> like, <laughs> me, me, I just, oh, yeah. you know, I brush brush my shoulders and uh, and just move on, right? Or I yeah. jump right back into it because I, I, I like to think of it as a learning experience and growing. Yeah. Or I just turn the game off and, like, that's it, right? Yeah. Um, no, this guy would throw like awesome fits. Um and he was poor. He wasn't working at the time. Mm-hmm. Um and like he smoked. He smoked like a chimney, like he never stopped. And I remember one time he threw this awesome fit. And then after he was done, like 
just shouting, just shouting at his at his girlfriend. He's like, I want some smokes. And he's like pouting like a child. Right. But he he like he played himself off like this, this like um, tough guy. And he was always he was always sitting around in like stretchy shorts with no shirt on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and oh, man, just like I just remember him pouting. And then that was like the way that Charlie and I talked to each other for a little while, just like out of spite. Right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> Charlie, I want to play a game. <laughs> Yeah, we had oh, <laughs> he man. had a lot of fun. We had a lot of fun with that, but it was just it was such an interesting experience because I I hadn't I mean there was lots of multiplayer games out there that could bring a bunch of people to a TV to sit and watch. Yeah, but it was something about PlayStation Two and uh, I guess sort of Xbox era where you were finally getting to a point where games were so watchable that there was a ma- mass appeal. Um, I mean, it was kind of there in in some of the maybe PlayStation era, but it was a little harder because the graphics were uh, just a little more blocky. Same thing with the N64. And yeah. then if you go back to like the 16-bit games, like people only really watch them if they're interested in them. Yeah. Um, but like this was sort of like putting on a CG movie, um, but like a a. <laughs> like a very sort of Japanese hokey James Bond kind of movie. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, and watching through it. And it was just such an interesting experience. It, it was something that had never happened before. It wouldn't happen again until we encountered Shadow of the Colossus a few years later when that came out. Because you could just sit down and watch people play that um, and just marvel at, at the crazy situations that uh, your main character ended up in and like nobody even talked in shadow of the Colossus, but in, um, yeah, like I remember just some of the weirdest tensest moments as, as like, you're trying to pull off these impossible things in, uh, in metal gear solid three. And then like just griefing someone if they fucked. <laughs> <laughs> oh yes. Right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, you know, and uh, like playing only an hour ever. Uh, me giving giving sound advice uh, because <laughs> I knew I knew what should have been done because of course I did. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. But God, what an experience! So I mean, like pros for the game. What a fun game to watch. Uh, the soundtrack for that game oh, is amazing. Yeah. Like James Bond as fuck. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I mean, even the writing for that game, hokey as it is, is still a lot of fun. There's, uh, I mean, it's the the ultimate prequel. Um, yeah, big spoiler for everyone. The ultimate prequel to uh, to end to the Metal Gear series. Um, but uh, yeah, wow, what what a game! Yeah. What a game to watch. Yeah. Uh, cons for this game uh, for me, uh, <laughs> it's getting a bit older. Yeah, and if you don't like long games, you may not enjoy a walkthrough. But uh, I guarantee you, there's at least one or two um, really decent ones on YouTube. So, um, yeah, um, I probably don't ever want to play this game myself. <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. uh, but I sure did like the way it brought the house together. And I'm and I'm I'm kind of like scratching my mind trying to figure I'm. The game is approachable. There was enough, still enough detail in there that hardcore gamers like the camo thing, like the inventory management. There were, there were enough mechanics and enough detail in there. Or even doing the, I forget what, what the mode is called where you, like the, the highest difficulty. Like there's enough stuff in there for hardcore gamers to really dive into. But 
it was one of the first things that was approachable because of that Bondy, James Bond kind of nature, and the like really good cinematography and the the writing was yeah like bits of it were hokey hokey Japanese but (laughs) but like yeah that that style is still fairly approachable like comparing that to Hollywood it's the same shit right yeah so yeah I I can't off the top of my head I I wouldn't know any other similar (laughs) examples of a game that could really uh, accomplish that bringing non-gamers in or even just creating an audience that early yeah i like i thought maybe um maybe metal gear solid 4 but metal gear solid 4 starts really off the wall um and if you're not if you're not into that and and i felt like the cutscenes for metal gear solid 4 went on probably like 10 to uh, like 10 to well, 120 seconds too long every time yeah the, and there were a lot of them and yeah, yeah. That, that was the game's biggest criticism i think by a lot of people yeah um, um <clears throat> whereas uh, for some reason like metal gear solid 3 i feel like it really really hit the sweet spot for in terms of design yeah it was really, and it, at least at the time and to be fair yeah well for the time and it had that perfect storm of also being released at the same time as like in this little window where gaming was in the middle of the shift from nerd subculture to more pop culture yeah that's a really right? good point it, it was, we always lose track of that yeah the, there was a time when gaming wasn't cool <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, and we've been there for most of it Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it's just, it, it was interesting for me because, like, this game forced me out of my comfort zone of playing games and into, like, the spectator's chair to just sort of watch other people. I'm not saying that I never oh, did that okay. as a child. Like, we, uh, there was yeah. a lot of the, you know, one player plays, the other player takes the controller after that person yeah. dies. Especially with a brother and one Nintendo, right? Yeah, but, um, but uh, like, this was different. Like, I never felt, com- after I spent that first hour with the game, I never felt compelled to play it again, and I never had to, because there was always somebody else who was engaging with it. Um, I mean, this was also a, a crash course in sharing uh, <laughs> sharing a house with friends. And oh, I mean, yeah, like, yeah. Uh, what, uh, six people living in a house. There was a, there was, it could get... <laughs> <laughs> There's some tension. Like uh, we we did some things in that house. Um, we did some things. Uh, and, yeah, God, I don't know. <laughs> no, that's that's yeah, that's good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember Charlie and I had a fight in the basement where we blew up like everything. Like had a physical fight because we got ripped. Yep. And uh, and one of the girls we were living with was just like, yeah, you guys should fight. <laughs> and we're just like throwing shit at each other. It was nuts. Good influence, um, yeah, yeah. And then we we got yelled at. We got yelled at for that. And so, by the people who were rationally Sober. trying to sleep. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah, that too. <laughs> yeah. On a weekday. Um, ah. So yeah, we were yeah. Man, that, that was that was a weird trip. Like we went to a we went to a bar. We we drank some absinthe before we went to the bar. And then we went to the bar and then we drank vodka shots. It was brutal. Um, and there's no guarantee that we didn't play Metal Gear Solid because <laughs> I can't remember the whole night. I was going to say, it sounds like a weekday to me. <laughs> oh, man, yeah. Uh, good old early 20s. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> but, uh, okay. yeah, sharing a house, sharing video game systems, watching somebody destroy a video game system, <laughs> and then um, yeah. 
Yeah, it was just it was a really interesting time in gaming. I mean, there are games that you can just sit and watch now. Um, yeah, I don't know if I'd ever actually want to play the new God of War, but I think I'd enjoy watching it. Um, That's fair. The brand yeah. new one. Um, I and I'm I'm not saying it's not my style. Um, there. Uh, it, what's interesting is we've grown into a culture of game watchers, right? Like t- oh, Twitch yeah. culture is huge and huge. and there have been games that have been developed for it, like a, a, a whole genre of games that are considered streamable, right? And some games like um, that have built-in Twitch stuff, and you know, games that integrate viewers being able to cock over whoever's playing and just (laughs) like so much interesting integration like that with the watchers and uh, i don't know if maybe this is a good time to also bring up the uh a way out which was that two-player that co-op game very very watchable i almost feel like the reason this is coming up now is because when i was watching it i i think it's more watchable than playable yeah it's fascinating like the the, <laughs> the cinematic cuts when they're when the two players are both in different places trying to get shit done the yeah. the cuts from one player to the next are like brilliantly done like it, it's an, mm-hmm. it's i don't know there are half a dozen games out there where you could point to cinematography and say whoever you had doing cinematography like that 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 was top of the line fucking yeah, fantastic and that's one yeah, of those games that really has that. Hmm. Yeah, that's a really good point. I mean, that's not something that you actively think about when you're playing a game, right? And and that's the problem is um, the the hidden mechanics, the stuff that's behind the curtain that just makes it seamless and work, yeah. right? I mean, you always know and recognize when a game isn't working yeah, or doesn't feel right. But when a game's well-designed, that's stuff that just happens you, naturally. And if you're not sitting back paying attention, you, don't you know may why. not even notice. Yeah. Yeah, and I think MGS three is one of the games that also has good cinematography. Like it, it's yeah. it's yeah. another. <laughs> Sorry, it's the, just funny. There are a like... few brilliant scenes in there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and it's actually um, one of the games that had a big. Oh, I want to say it was three, that had the end of it cut out after. Um, after nine eleven. They they tweaked the ending of it a little bit. Uh, but why would they? It was made in 2004. Yeah, it, only, it was only a couple of years after. Right, so they tweaked it for American release? Yeah. Why? What was wrong with the it, it, initial release? Uh, nobody really knows exactly, I don't think, what the original was supposed to be. I don't know if there okay. were... It was right because spoilers like for everybody who doesn't know, um, like the boss dies. Yeah, the boss wasn't really a traitor. There's just something about uh, there were a couple shots of the American flag and some of the dialogue, and people oh, and makes sense. yeah and people yeah. and people dug up some of the dialogue and a couple of the like one of the the one of the camera shots is looking up at a flagpole that was supposed to have the American flag and they took the flag off because hmm. of the content of the dialogue or something i forget what it was well yeah People it's probably if i had to guess just because of the way that things go with big boss it's probably because like big boss is so disenfranchised by the end of that whole event mm-hmm. and the way that the original boss gets played by america um like the the original boss you could view her as a patriot 
for for her actions and what she does she basically infiltrates like this uber evil cell and um does everything she absolutely has to do including sacrificing herself to bring it down um and it was all planned to make um uh snake at the time who will become big boss big spoilers by the way (laughs) um the, the the new big boss yeah um and that's a lot of what shapes who he is in the future games. So, uh, yeah, it's I could I could see that. I forgot, man. I forgot so much. Oh, that's fair. It was a while ago. The, the ramifications of uh, of nine eleven two thousand one. Yeah. Um, yeah, like uh, songs getting pulled. I remember there was a Bush song that got pulled, and they had to change the name of their album. Um, yeah. Like Rage Against the Machine got pulled for a long time. Uh, you yep. wouldn't hear it on most uh, um, American stations, um, and even in Canada, we saw mild censorship as well. It was it was a bit unusual. Um, yeah, I forgot about all that stuff. Um, but also, uh, I stopped watching cable television when I started going to school, and actually, we didn't start it back up. Oh, okay. uh, my wife yeah. and I until like uh, I think two thousand fourteen, fifteen. Yeah, like very recently, and we just cut it again, and then just bought unlimited internet. And now we download everything. Yeah, yeah. Um, cool. So yeah, that's my game. <laughs> yeah. Um, well done. Did you want to say anything about it? Uh, just um, I guess the only other there's a lot else that could be said about the game design itself. Um, yeah, I mean, not, having not played it, I didn't engage with it the same way as some people did. Yeah, um, th- th- the only other, th- I guess, because I I brought it up that sniper, it, just as a an insight for people who are unaware of the kind of game design that Kojima did, um, the sniper's name was the end, and he was so old that if you actually had a hard time with a fight, if you <laughs> If your PlayStation 2's clock went a week ahead from your save in the middle of that fight, he died of old age. Are you serious? Yeah, and then you just go. So if so if you actually couldn't beat him, it would just f- fuck it, he's too old to live anyway. That's <laughs> there you go. That's that's a very Kojima <laughs> thing to do. That's actually really funny. It's, yeah, it's fantastic. Like and it's so <coughs> some of the Metal Gear so some of the Metal Gear stuff has there are a couple entries in the series that have a very meta feel to them and that I think yeah. <laughs> that yeah, that's number two yeah that's one of but, those things that um, kind of plays into that as well yeah uh, and like the Psycho Mantis fight in the the first Metal Gear Solid is oh, a yeah. good example of, of yeah. that too um uh, okay would yeah, read cool, your memory cool. card and tell you things and blah 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 it was neat yeah. and you had to switch uh, controller ports or something because yeah, he could read your mind unless you were using the second controller port yeah. which is like <coughs> fascinating it's pretty clever Fa- for the time yeah, yeah. fascinating there was stuff. some fun there was some fun stuff that you could do um, people I feel like um, developers I'm not saying they're not as playful I think they just use different assets these days like nobody asks you, uh, also there are no controller ports. It's all USB and and wireless. So it's uh it's almost I like by the time my son is old enough, he won't really get it. Um, which is kind of interesting to talk about too. That like controller ports won't be won't really be a thing. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, 
even with wireless, it's still kind of a like you're logging in as controller too, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, Stu. All right. What do you got? All right. So, my game, uh, I wanted to do this last time, uh, but I feel I hadn't prepared enough, and I didn't do any preparation (laughs) when I'm doing it today anyway. So, I apologize. I feel... I feel like this is the least prepared I've been for one of these, but I'm gonna just go ahead with it because I don't see myself preparing anymore. Okay. (laughs) I appreciate the effort you already put in, so yes. Um, So I'm gonna talk about End War, Tom Clancy's End War. Okay, good. There's yeah, it's an that's an interesting game. Yeah, it it really was. Uh, It released uh, 2000. Sorry, for me, it released 2009 as a PC gamer. It released on console and handheld the previous year. Uh, I think it was only a couple months or something. Um, Yeah, sorry. Uh, November 2008 for consoles, February the following year. So, yeah, just a few months difference. I actually bought an Xbox 360 just to play this game (gasps) because I I saw Charlie playing this game, and I got so excited. Oh, that's fantastic. (laughs) <laughs> that I bought an Xbox 360 because no, I like I don't think I'll well here I'll let you keep going I'll let you keep going Wait, I'll talk about this I'm bit. so glad that this is going to resonate so uh, for people who are unaware End War Tom Clancy's End War is a real time strategy I'm going to be speaking from this by the way from the PC perspective um, looking at the wiki I see that it's a turn based game for handhelds I don't know what that means I don't know how they did that. I also don't know what that means. That... It was not a turn-based game for 360. <laughs> okay, that is a weird thing for me. Whatever. Yeah. Um, so the premise was that World War Three kicked off because the Russians are are, are douchebags. I almost said a bad word. Um, <laughs> we can say bad words. No. I already said fuck at least twice. No, I'm going to get yelled at. Um, so World War Three starts, and then there's the European Union, Russia... And the United States, or North America, or something, and the the three factions are vying for world power. It's kind of like a long term campaign where you want to either it's almost like a risk scenario where you want to capture x number of capital or main cities or x number of territories in total, and you do that by entering into a real time map, and you can order in units. And you can order in kind of like support, strategic support ops to help. And it's uh, it's largely kind of like King of the Hill things where you need to control more than 50% of the points on the map. And you have a, a time limit if you're the attacker. You have resource limits, so you can only order in so many units. And that's that's kind of the gist of it. A lot of the play comes from jumping into one of these maps... And there are about a dozen different unit types. And there's a little bit of rock, paper, scissors. I think there's um, helicopters beat tanks. Tanks beat APCs. APCs beat helicopters. Then you also have infantry, different kinds of infantry units, which are required to capture the points. And then some other, like, supporty material along the way. Um, this is furthered by your units getting upgraded over time. The different three different factions had different 
specialties, I guess. Like one one nation's infantry would be better and could be upgraded better. Another's APCs would be better and upgraded better, so on and so forth. They had different special abilities, blah, 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 blah. So yeah, and they, they also had, like, different... Um, it was almost like uh, one had artillery strikes, one had EM, EMP. EM, yeah. And one, and had, I forget what the other one had. I think it was like a mini nuke. They they all. I think they all actually had access to EMP and um, no, a, no airstrikes. Uh, they had airstrikes. Air, they okay, all, they airstrikes and yeah. paratroopers. I think everyone had access to. Yeah, and then there yeah. was nuke but and EMP and something else. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, because I I played EU like exclusively, and, and they had EMP the EMP was, was my thing. Yeah, yeah. I loosely remember that. Yeah. The nonviolent, <laughs> the nonviolent response, and I think they had the best. I think engineers were their thing, or was it the infantry? Yeah, they, one or the other. Yeah, one of the infantry units was really good with them. But um, so there wasn't much of a a plot. Like there was kind of a prologue that led into the open world game, um, which was interesting. It just it made you it forced you to play through a few levels uh, with very set kind of instruction. It was a decent tutorial. Like it showed you this unit beats this unit. This unit beats that unit. That be unit beats that unit. You know, do things this way. This is your kind of algorithm for success. Uh, and then it would boot you out into the, the open world risk-like map, uh, which was kind of one turn at a time turn-based. Um, so the tutorial-ish thing did a good job of doing that. Taught you everything you needed to know, and then you run and do your thing, and you conquer territories, and you get money, and then you use the money to upgrade your dudes, and then you send them out. It was fun on its own. But then they also introduced... This was one of the first games, if... It's the first game I ever interacted with that had voice commands. <laughs> I wish it was the first that I ever, but it, like, well done. Yeah. Well yeah, done, yeah. voice commands. Yeah. Yeah. So you could, your units, you could group them up or keep them individual and assign them, like, move to or attack to different key points on the map. So if you really needed to take the point at Bravo, you could say, you know, group one, attack, uh, attack Bravo. Uh, group two, move to group one. And as long as the everything was set up correctly, that would work for you, and everything would, everything would, you know, go well. Um, I didn't use the voice commands very much because it was just easier and faster to use a keyboard and mouse. But there was people played this occasionally uh, at the the university where I went in an in an open lab. We, that was fun because when people are trying to use the voice commands and you're better at using the voice commands, it's fucking hilarious. And multiplayer games, when people would network that stuff, <laughs> that sounds when there are crazy, when there are three players in a game and there are six people in the room screaming voice commands that doesn't sound like it makes any kind of sense no i would just turn off the mic it, it it's uh it's interesting it's a lot of fun so that turned into a very social game 
in the way it wasn't supposed to for us. Uh, so that's good. Uh, which is, <laughs> which is that's fun. Which is kind of similar to your approach to to MGS three, uh, being you know a game that brought people together. It was a social experience, and and yeah. I think so was End War. It was uh, it was very good. It was a fun game. I still enjoyed it on its own. I booted it up a few times, off and on, like years after um it's i don't know it's it's still a fun game maybe that's there's enough tactically going on there that you can kind of set challenges for yourself and try and you know not use tanks and still try and win that kind of thing so Stu, i wonder if you know like do you know what sort of weird thing you learned from that game Almost unconsciously, if you used voice commands, there's kind. Of, there are a couple, a couple, a few things. Number one is diction. Yep, that's going to be the biggest one because uh, Alpha and Bravo and Charlie and Delta and Echo and Foxtrot. You you can really emphasize the fricatives and and the breaks between the vowels in order to try to make yourself understood a little bit better right some of it was also uh speaking loudly and clearly with the freaking voice commands oh because there because <laughs> it yeah. it happened to everybody when you were like group two attack charlie and the little uh the interface voice would be like okay we're sending group three over to foxtrot have fun with that happened to Everybody, it was not flawless voice recognition. No, it was at all. Uh, a flawed technology at that point. Yeah, so you could even we even did matches where people had to try. Like we would have two or three people trying to play and cooperate and do things together, and um, almost like with the uh, the whose line is it anyway? The the two headed thing where two two or three people are trying to give the same command at the same time in order to make it work. Wow. Wow. Fat, yeah, it was very, very unsuccessful. But, yeah, uh, but it was interesting, at least, um, for science. <clears throat> okay. So I, I was thinking more like um, the the call orders that you would make are actually, um, I mean, they're rudimentary, but they're, they're military like it, it's actually how you would do military, how you would call it's orders in the military. Their language, yeah. Well, th- at yeah. least the an approximation of it. Yeah. So it, what what's interesting is like the game very basically teaches you how to uh, call out military orders, um, which <clears throat> I I thought was, uh, and that's something that I didn't even think about until we started talking within this context. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something that I learned unconsciously playing the game. Um, I, I'm not going to say that I'm <laughs> going to be even remotely good <laughs> at at uh, at uh, playing radio for the military anytime soon, but um, it's it's just it's interesting because so much of what you described, like being able to um, like do 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 good diction. What what am I even saying? <laughs> do good wording. Do the diction. 
um, just being able to be articulate and easy to hear and communicate something uh, clearly yeah um, is just so valuable in a situation like that even though the situation we're talking about is a fictional world war three yeah <laughs> on a video game uh, or in a video game so yeah yeah and it, it I mean there's a bit of the NATO phonetic alphabet in that too like you get the alpha alpha bravo charlie delta echo vox rock golf hotel and then things get fuzzy because most stuff stops at eight (laughs) (laughs) usually yeah that's funny i never thought about that (laughs) oh it's a programmer joke in there somewhere because it's eight Mm. Mm -hmm, mm yeah okay well, cool. Um, yeah, yeah. So that that was, um, I don't know. That was End War. It was. I, I played it a bunch on my own. I played it a bunch in a group. A uh, little bit of back and forth and killing each other because that's fun. Uh, World War Three is always interesting because it's terrifying. <laughs> and just around the corner. Yeah, and it, um, it provided a lot of, like I said, th- those challenges. One of, the, like trying to. I mean, a well-balanced army is always going to perform well because then you always have the right tools available for you. But, again, the AI is exploitable. It's not the best. If you're decent with any kind of game, you can give yourself those challenges like trying to you know, only upgrade these units or that kind of thing to push yourself a little bit more, make more of a challenge. That kind of stuff is always there. Um... Yeah, I don't know. That's 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 probably about it. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I um <clears throat> engaging with this game on the 360, it was always faster to to call out your orders. Um Oh, that's fascinating. And I spent most of my time in that game. Initially, I tried playing that game just from the the ground view to actually see all the fighting and stuff cuz it was at the time it was pretty well done. Yeah. Um but eventually I lived in the strategic mode, so the, the, the overhead map. And I uh, it, it eventually got to the point where I don't think I ever left it when I would play. Yeah. So I would stay in the strategic map and I would I would call out orders. And that's how I played that game. And I, I actually played multiplayer on the 360. Like I, I wired up my 360 and uh, I played online. And there was some really nice features because you had so much customization for your army in that game and i ended up making uh an eu army that uh had a real emphasis on on infantry and yeah. uh, logistics yeah so the transports and the infantry were just um, mine were like some of the best yep. and i would just uh yeah i would just uh use that to embed myself like either deep in or just go and take stuff because i think infantry were the only units that could actually take uh yeah the resource centers um and I got pretty good at that, and I got pretty good at even just countering. Oh, oh no, sorry, I was uh, good at um, infantry transports and artillery. I like pumped up my artillery, oh, yeah. so I would go. The thing was like uh, infantry was generally cheap, but because my guys were tough, like as long as I got them into cover, they they could endure. And then whenever anything showed up that I couldn't deal with, I would just set up the artillery strike. and blow it away. Boom. I would call in the strikes. Yeah. Um, and that was awesome. And using the uh, using the uh, tactical map, the overhead map, um, 
made that so easy. It took a little while for me to figure out how to actually call, call artillery accurately and effectively. Yeah. But once I could figure it out, um, you were laughing. It was. It was. Yeah. It was actually really yeah. good. And um, and that that was it, it was an interesting experience. And playing it online, there was this whole messy, like global map that you could engage with. It, yeah. Um, that. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You know, yeah, was, let's uh, just leave it at messy. <laughs> yeah, it was like 2008, 2009. Things were awesome. They were just okay. And um, pro- that server's probably not around anymore. Oh, no, no. It was it was the, uh, the world in conflict mode, and it was more like servers in conflict than anything else. But... The, yeah, the, the only thing that really came close to that that I've seen since I mean a lot of a lot of uh, games have emulated it but remember that turn-based game we played March of War yeah that had the the global map where like it was the ebb and flow of each faction and you would just come and you know you would do what you did that's the I I contemplated actually that game crossed my mind today talking to somebody else about games that I should cover it's a good game yeah it's it deserves some attention I, I haven't checked it out in a long time um, in terms of persistent server and that kind of war, I think Heroes and Generals deserves praise for that as well. Uh, what was that on? That's PC. Rel- like, that's relatively recent. I think they're still up and kicking. Like, they're five years old at most. Well, that's at the oldest. That, that was some games. That's a long story. Yeah, that that's, that was that's um, like an EU versus German, well, Allies versus Axis, but it's predominantly Germany. Uh, World War Two setting. Uh, very very fascinating. It, it's really interesting. There were oh, different. I remember you liked that game a there lot. There were different servers. I I played it a fair bit. Yeah, uh, early on in its inception, even. Really really interesting. I could probably dive into that some other time, but they they okay. did a really good job with uh, online, like world-based server fight, global map thing, struggle fronts, ah, armies, <laughs> salients. <laughs> <laughs> Were there salients? Always. Could you declare cor uh, cor corvus belly corvus belly? <laughs> what do you call that? Were you corvus? Corbus? I don't know. Where you get all pissed off at them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You're in my territory. Give it back. Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> well, cool. Uh, yeah. Did you have anything else you wanted to say about End War? I'm sc- scratching my head. Um, I, th- I think... I think that's it. It's worth it. it honestly, um, I think the core... The core game loop in it is hasn't been matched. I think there's there's some unique things that you can find in that game that you won't find anywhere else. Yeah, <clears throat> I think that's just fair. the the um, way. And nobody tried to emulate it. Probably because it was a commercial failure. There was a a sequel in progress, and when they saw how much the first one sold, they shut it the fuck down. I didn't know that. <laughs> that's kind of sad. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's interesting, it's fun, it, it's worth checking out, I think. There's some stuff to learn from it, for sure, if you're into design and development. Because they, they, yeah. nailed, they nailed a few things really well. So, eh, it's neat. Check it out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. Okay. Um, 
Hmm. So then I guess that ends that section. Um, which means we can move into our next section, which is my favorite section, but also uh, a kind of a sad section Aww. today. Um, and it is, what can you teach us? And uh, today I've got to say nothing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the audience, uh, nobody sent in any emails. Right. So, um, yeah, we've got nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, again, if you ever want to send in an email, don't uh, don't hesitate. Yeah. Just uh, send in whatever you want and send it into learnfromgamingpodcast at gmail.com. We will read it. We don't care what's in there. Yeah. I've read swear words before. <gasps> so just uh, just send an email into learnfromgaming.com. Or, oh, wow. Nope. Learnfromgamingpodcast at gmail.com. There you go. Learnfromgaming.com is our website. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah. Pretty empty section this, this week. Not a big deal. Um, so let's shift into what we've been playing. So, Stu, I know you have been playing stuff because I turned on my Steam. And I was there. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, um, I've done a few things. Holy crap. I've played a lot of things since yeah, last time. Yeah, it's, it's, I, you know, I just, I like that you're branching out. I'm you're, trying. You might, you're probably still playing a little bit of Smite, but I bet you're playing other stuff I haven't too. played Smite in quite a while, actually. Oh, Yeah, it's go. kind of sad. Is it? It is. <laughs> it is. I feel okay. it's one of those things where I feel like it's a it's a skill that's rusting. Yeah, it's a skill f- that that game has skill fade. The longer you're away from it, the worse you're gonna get. I'm like I've done a I've done I don't know like a number of months fade at a time, and then it, at this point I don't have the time to shake that rust off. I would have to. Oh, it would be serious effort. Anyway, games I've been playing. Um, I I played a game called Refunct. Okay. It's just uh, it's like a plat first person platformer, chill out. There's like uh, ambient chill music. There's not much to say about it. It's like four dollars and you'll play it for 20 minutes and then go to bed and it's a good it's a good about to go to bed game if you need to Uh, it's it's a soothing yes it's soothing it's calming it's uh it's heartwarming almost Hmm. it tries to be heartwarming kind of i don't know it's it's pretty mellow mellow yeah let's go with that okay cool um one of my kickstarter games came in this is called safe house Okay. I also played that for an hour or two. Uh, you manage a safe house. Then <laughs> okay. the name of the game is not misleading. The interface yep. is garbage. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, the game itself, the, the mechanics, I don't know. There's a, there's a shit ton of potential in there. It's based off of a series of mini games, but most of them are like word-based, which is limiting. Okay. Yeah. And I think I get the impression that their V-Sync isn't working and they're not catching frames properly. Like the camera pans really slowly when you need to look at different things. And sometimes your clicks aren't registered. Sometimes your keyboard strokes aren't men- aren't registered, and this leads to occasionally double clicking or hitting a key twice. And 
that then leads to sometimes selecting options that you don't want and causing you significant problems in the game. So I, I think that doesn't sound. Fun. No, I, th I think they need to do a bit of brush up. I mean, it was a Kickstarter. It was a very small and cheap Kickstarter. Uh, the premise of the game is fantastic. If you can afford being careful with your clicks and keystrokes and you're interested in managing a safe house, fucking check it out because it's perfect for that. It's really, really neat. The theme of it is great. Um, I bounced into Northgard a little bit because the campaign came out. I played about an hour of that, got a couple missions in because it's Northgard. Northgard is really fun to me. That's uh, yeah, for anyone. A very punishing RTS. What? Punishing? Is it? Isn't it? I thought, I don't people die? I, I didn't think so. It's like Nord-based, clan-based, because you can win by uh, um, elimination, like being the only people left, but usually it's easier to go for like a fame victory or an econ economy victory or one of those other ephemeral things that says that you're king of the land. Oh, that sounds nice. <clears throat> so I know. I, I thought there was like a hunger mechanic or something in the game. Uh, there is, yeah. Winters come and go, and during winters, you need to burn more firewood and eat more food, and it's harder to get food because you can't farm yeah. as well. But, eh, that's about it. And I don't think you really, like, you, you're not going to lose in that sense, in, in the dwarf fortress sense of yeah. being being wiped out <laughs> yeah. by, a, by oh winter, God. I don't yeah. think. Yeah, okay. Um, but lately, mostly, oh my God, so many games and so many hours. Um, I got, I don't know, half a dozen hours into They Are Billions. Yeah, I saw you playing a lot of and that. And I beat the first map, and I'm really excited to start the second one. Um, it's neat. It's fun. I don't know. I think it's kind of simplistic once you nail down the core the core mechanics. But there's there's enough there that it's it's interesting. It's super punishing. If you make any mistakes, you can explode real fast. But uh, yeah. that's okay. Whatever, it's fine. <laughs> just don't, yeah. just don't make mistakes, and then it's all good. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I like the sound of that. Look, don't make look mistakes. Look at that. So many games. So many games. Uh, yeah, this is a quick fix. Yeah, not a ton of time into any of them. I could probably do a proper speak into of Northgard at some point, uh, because I actually had played that a bunch previously but they kept updating and updating and updating. Um, I know a, bu a bunch of people who have it. We've done multiplayer a bunch of times. It's kind of neat. Um, of the games that I've just talked about, probably I would, if you're into RTS, do Northgard. If you're into city building, grab their building, their building, their billions. Eh, take a look. They're neat. <laughs> okay. Okay, cool. Um, what have you been up to? Um, uh, like sort of soft one Mario Odyssey. Um, played it enough with my son watching that finally won it. Ah. Um, and it was interesting. You end up in the Mushroom Kingdom. Um, spoiler. Uh, <laughs> sorry. Uh, <laughs> wow. I just realized, like the end of the game, you just yeah, you, the the Mushroom Kingdom is there. You can walk around in it, which is sort of nice. It's it's very reminiscent of uh, uh, Mario 64 and it's designed that way 
and that was sort of an interesting sort of nostalgia nod. But um, hmm. I don't know how much more I'm going to play that game. Uh, Henry's sort of losing interest in it, and there are a lot of other games that I'm enjoying playing more. Yeah, fair. Which is weird to say, because, I mean, uh, Mario games are enjoyable, um, and this one is is definitely definitely enjoyable, but uh, there's just other games I'd rather play. How, so how is the replayability of Odyssey? Oh, uh, you mean after you win it? Yeah. Oh, you can just keep playing. Um, so oh, okay, I, I I won. I just mean like sorry. looking at Mario Super Mario Three, for example. Yeah. Ha- there's so much stuff that you can you can just restart and try. You know, different small challenges, or like if you don't quite beat it, or see how many lives or points you end up beating it with, or what the hell ever. Like, uh, well, I, I don't. I'm gonna stop you right there because the, the comparison is kind of like apples okay. and yeah, Mustang fair, fair enough. cars. Yeah, fair. So, school um, me. Yeah, uh, like there, there's almost a better comparison between uh, Super Mario World, which was the SNES game where you had a save right um so the rep- the replayability in super mario world was uh your progress got saved but you could keep going back to levels because there was uh secrets and there was a bunch of different things that you could open up mm. now i've won in air quotes uh mario odyssey mm. but i haven't officially um conquered it in that i won it and i think i only got about 113 power moons which uh for anybody who doesn't understand what i mean when i say power moons it's just like these uh these goals that you go towards and then like you grab them and then you just have them sounds (laughs) like the kind of thing a 20 something would do in the basement with their boyfriend or girlfriend to be honest yeah there you go um so just just strive towards power moons um there are 999 in the game i've got 113 well you're close (laughs) Um, so and more stuff unlocks the more that you get Mm -hmm. Uh, and that is a very Mario Mario Mario. wow Mario mechanic Um, and it it really harkens back to uh, to Super Mario World which had a bunch of hidden stuff and uh, they've always really liked sort of doing that Um, so I can go back and play basically any world that I've already played and there's a real possibility that I'll open it more you'll find something yeah yeah. Hmm. Um so I would say that there's uh even after you win it there uh, there's a high replayability. Um but because you can only have one save and if you delete that save you start the game all over again. I mean, I guess you could replay it and find a bunch of different power moons all in the same level again if you wanted to. Yeah. Cuz as far as I can tell, like there's power moons behind every corner. It's crazy. Um, and that was how you progressed through the game was finding them. Um, oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Cause you, it was basically like fuel for your ship cause you travel around on an airship as one does in a video yeah, game, yeah. usually final fantasy, but now Mario as well. Um, I mean, airships were in, uh, Mario for quite a while ever since number three, which is a good callback. Way to go, Stu. You did. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, Mario Odyssey, Enjoying it. Don't know how much time I'm going to put into it after. Um, but um, 
Uh, next up, I've been playing that educational game, which I can't talk too much yeah. more about. Um, I've been playing Habitica. Uh, uh-huh. I think, I think my friend Jamie has thrown like uh, more money at it than <laughs> I ever would. I had a boy. Good job, Jamie. Because now, now he's got a really fancy avatar, and he has just been spoiling our entire team um, with uh, these cash quests that allow us to get like these rare um, items. Nice. Uh, which is really just—it's all aesthetics. This game is all aesthetics. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just—it's been funny. Um, we had a few people really sort of lag out and fall off. Um, I had to actually ask someone to to drop out of the party because they were slowing slowing down progress because yeah. um, they just they weren't logging on yeah right they, they may come back to the game they may not they just they weren't logging yep. on so it was really slowing everything down um but yeah that's still happening um stellaris uh jumped back into that there was a recent update yep. and it was significant in that it made it so that every single star system you go to feels like it has a story now. Oh. Um, and there's some really nice additions. There's like binary stars, uh, trinary stars, which is interesting, yeah. the triple stars. Yeah. Um, and then just uh, uh, just so much extra stuff. Like that, I, I called it a long time ago. I said it's a paradox game. It's only going to get better with time. Yeah. And it has. Yeah. Um, and I just love playing my AI empire that expands out into the universe and like just fumbles horribly at social interaction with people. Like I just initiate <laughs> the greeting protocol every time I meet somebody new yeah. and then I just like, wow. uh, how am I going to solve this problem? I will just throw resources at them and hope that they ignore me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. And when people go to war, they usually regret it because I am so much more efficient than they are. <laughs> um, but uh yeah it's it's a really good time i i actually had trouble going back to playing just regular organics um <laughs> just because i didn't have the same dynamic customization uh, i love that that's a sentence <laughs> and reproduction the the reproduction is so much messier right uh, oh, i just want to build i want to build a population uh. on a space and I want it to perform a task. Yep. And yep. I get it. I don't want it to rebel and become a pacifist or religious zealot. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> so. Oh yeah, dealing with some of that shit was infuriating, man. Yeah. Um, just kill them every but time. Also, a little bit. You, you can, depending on your <laughs> yeah. depending on your government yeah, build, yeah. you can. But if you are a hive mind, which is the other race that I made, or if you are the gestalt consciousness, mm. which is what uh, the robots got, um, yeah, you don't have to worry about that shit anymore. You just conquer or do whatever it is that you do. Um, I think that we are just making the universe better <laughs> <laughs> wherever we go. Uh efficiently um so playing stellaris and then uh next up playing monster hunter world yeah and that that game has really opened up really um yeah yeah there was some i don't know i was starting to lose steam on it uh for a little while there and then what i did is i changed my weapon again and I found another weapon that I started to enjoy a lot, which was the heavy bow gun. So I went from, um, hmm. initially I started with the bow, yeah. and it was too boring. So then I switched to a longsword, um, but it felt too slow. 
And so then I went to Twin Blades, which was really fast. But then I, I was having trouble dealing with monsters that were um, high armor. I guess sort of, well, uh, or like area of effect oh, okay. would just like slam down because then I would be too close and I had trouble evading um, enough. Yeah, yeah. And and uh, so then I just decided, you know what? I'm just gonna go like complete coward and um but also play one of the most complex uh ranged weapons so i chose huh. to play the uh the heavy bow gun and it has it's very much about ammo management it's about um item management so making sure that you you uh, stock up on bullets every time you head out um but also choosing what type of bullets to shoot and when um, you can do anything from being a mobile artillery platform to shooting tranks to putting things to sleep to healing others with like uh, just like this healing mist that you can shoot yeah. out to turning into a minigun. So like it's it's a really dynamic and interesting weapon. Um, hmm. And I've been having a lot of I've been having a lot of a lot of fun with that one um, and actually a lot of luck. And my brother has been on with uh, with his friend. And they were helping me out, but the, what I, I, and I do appreciate that, but what was interesting is my growth as a player when they weren't around, because I would actually encounter monsters, um, and for a while there, like, it, you know, there was a difficulty, I could see it, but then I hit, like, this wall, and this is when I almost walked away from the game, it was just like, I kept going against these monsters and I kept dying, dying. dying, dying. And, I was, and I was just like, okay, like I, I just, uh, and I would, you know, take a day and then come back to it. And the, when I came back to it, I, what I didn't realize is like, I'm tracking how these monsters are moving and I'm starting to understand them better. And so then yeah. I would survive these fights. Yeah. Um, and it was just, it was learning. Like I was learning their behaviors i was learning how they were moving yeah. right their decision trees how how they interact uh when certain things happen and it's just an interesting thing to experience and play through um it really is I, I, so that that resonates with me with salt and sanctuary which is a game i'll talk about i'm sure at some point <laughs> yeah but, well and, it's the it's was, the 2d dark Souls. yeah and there was one boss in particular who had a move that fucking infuriated me because there was it seemed like initially there was no way to tell between him doing like a an an overhead chop or a a big thrust so one you have to jump over and one you have to back out of or something like that until i finally and this is the the downside of being a non-visual dude i finally noticed the the mob's forearm facing a different way. Okay, that's for interesting. one, like as the um, uh, projection. Shit, that's not the right word. <laughs> you know the the tell of him attacking one word. Yeah, the yeah, it's his tell. Yep. And and finally getting that click moment of understanding. Oh yeah, that's the thing. It's not just like before that point in time you're furious with the game for dicking you over <laughs> yeah. and you finally see the thing that everyone else in the world understands and is the reason why the boss is easy and you finally get that click moment and then oh i don't yeah i don't have to take damage this this all makes sense again all is nice. right with the yeah. world it's really interesting 
Yeah. Um, that uh, you have those eureka moments a lot in uh, in Monster yeah. Hunter, but it's 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 a tough slog. Um, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna sugarcoat it. Like you, you're gonna die if you play that <laughs> game, right? You're just yeah. You're you're gonna have some losses, um, and they're gonna be some infuriating things. Like uh, I got caught up, I, and I something that's happened, and this doesn't really ruin the game. Mm. Um, but you get further enough that eventually, uh, the, the, you can basically upscale all the monsters you've already encountered okay. and make them all harder. Okay. So they become even more difficult yeah. to fight. Um, so I'm at that point. And so now I'm actually re, I'm not exactly relearning, but I kind of am because, uh, the, these are all monsters that I was used to the way that they were. And now they're behaving a little differently in different environments. Nice. Um, and that that's a nice twist on top of the fact that they also introduce a bunch of other monsters. And this game is, what, it's been out since January. And they're still releasing weekly updates as though it were like some kind of MMO free. Nice. They're Good. not, they're not like, yeah. And it's, uh, I mean, to put it politely, it's Capcom's bestseller in a long time by a large margin. Um, so yeah, they're, they're really it. sort of throwing... Yeah. They're really sort of throwing their uh, their weight behind it, um, and I wouldn't be surprised if the C three they announce a paid expansion. Yeah, and I think that most people who own the game will pay for it. Um, I know that I would at at this exact point right now. I probably would um, gladly uh, just because I'm enjoying the content so much. Like I just I want to keep playing. I wish that I had some spare time to just go play. Um, and just keep getting better. I, I'm enjoying the grind for uh, for materials because each fight is a little different and dynamic, and it's it's just it's interesting. It's it's uh, it's it's caught me in a way I didn't expect, and I and I like it. So okay, I've got I've got two things to say to that. Then the first, uh, it's this hmm. because them throwing effort into it. I'm curious. Just as an aside, um, is there something in Monster Hunter that's like esportable? Do you think, or no. no? Okay, no. That that okay. That that's why that's the first thing I asked. Um, yeah, no. It's it's strictly PVE. Yeah. I mean, that maybe you could do races to kill. Uh, a monster but the problem is the monsters sometimes spawn randomly so yeah, even yeah, who, even a, yeah, a speed run would be foolish was it yeah i'm just trying to see if there's another it, it would be such an unfair fight because you also can't predict what other monsters spawn with oh them, yeah and that like that drastically affects the, the, uh, the survivability yeah, the immediate area around them and yeah yeah um so the other quick thing was um the the changing of the weapons initially made me think of this but then also bringing up the grinding for materials do you think i i guess is there or do you think that there are any correlations between this and warframe Be- because um, because warframe because sense? warframe has an abundance of materials to grind for for an abundance of reasons like it's it's yeah. one of it's oh. one of the most Good breadth wide content games there are like that the, they've changed the crafting system the card system the ability system and all that shit so many times it's 
it's dizzying the amount of material that's it it actually is like yeah. to to jump into warframe blind right now is insane it's, it's like the yeah. complexity like it's like to the extent of something like eve there's just it's so much load. shit yeah. to try and figure out but then uh that's not happening in monster hunter okay. what you see is what yeah. you get um um the the content they're, that they're adding is more monsters okay yeah, so that's a lot better. So the, the the other thing was the the weapons. Changing style in Monster Hunter, is that at all comparable to something like changing weapons in Warframe? Where it... Yes, actually. Um, good... And Warframe is a really good analog as a comparison. Okay. I mean, the, the shifts and the changes, like the sweeping changes that they do... Uh, that's not going to happen to Monster Hunter because Monster Hunter is too dedicated of a uh, mm-hmm. um, uh, a player base. Like they they go to this game anticipating this type of play, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, even when you do the tweaks from game to game, what they want is the core experience. And the the uh, if you mess with the weapons too much, you actually end up robbing people of, uh, I would argue, hours, months, maybe even. Yeah. Well, I'm let's stick, just stick with, with months. <laughs> of their of their lives training with this stuff, right? So the the tiny tweaks to weapons between each game um uh can go a little less noticed, but um, yeah. a complete overhaul of how everything works would uh would would cause some ripples. It'd be like the way that like if anybody ever tried to change Dragon Quest. <laughs> right? Like Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um the community would get upset. And right now, Capcom is cashing in on on just like giving people what they want, yeah. and it's working for the first time in Capcom's life. They've <laughs> actually figured out that if they listen to their audience, they'll, they may, they'll make, they make money. money. So, um, um, so I I guess what I'm asking is more the I I think I'm just asking for clarification because I understand Warframe better. Is the shift from like in Warframe, you can change from your... You can change your, your, suits and you can change every weapon. But but even, like, just focusing on the weapons, having, um, like, the the bow and arrow and two small daggers as your main weapons, as opposed to, like, a shotgun and a warhammer. In Warframe senses, those are very, very different styles. The, the two small blades to a warhammer, they have drastically different feels when you're in melee they have very different um styles to them they have different pros and cons to them they're better they're the better in different opportunities. Yes. but <laughs> the answer is yes i guess i'm just it's wondering because because warframe is so high power and monster hunter feels the opposite Right, because in Warframe, it doesn't really matter what you pick. You can shit kick everything in the world. And, right. So and then, in Monster Hunter, it doesn't matter what you pick. If you make a mistake, you're going to die. Yeah. But what you're asking is still the same. Okay. Is okay. D- does the play style change with the weapons? And the play style 100% does. Okay. I, I, yeah, okay. I guess that's... even Even though, like... <laughs> the the comparison is a bit looser because like being a Tenno, so being like a space ninja, like you it feels so empowering. Mm-hmm. Um whereas in Monster Hunter you are 
hands down the smallest, like you're the, the lowest on the food chain, but it's your skill that puts you above everything else. And it's your endurance and, uh, your endurance planning and ability. Um, with Warframe, there's uh, the, the whole system's a lot more forgiving. Um, but yes, the actual way that you play based on what you kit yourself out as, um, it's significant. I mean, even with my bow gun, uh, the, the one that I'm using right now, um, it can be drastically different from somebody else's bow gun because I can customize it enough. Um, okay. So they might even perform completely different roles. I mean, well, it, some of the animations will still be the same, but uh, we'll be very, very different people. Like somebody might choose to uh, focus on spread shots, so they're like more of a shotgun fighter, um, and so then they'll they'll focus on all of those ammo types, or, or they could go all distance, or they could go like heavy artillery. Um, now most other weapons aren't quite that dynamic. Um, like a good example is the long sword and most of the melee weapons, what you see is what you get. Um, uh, the bows is where you, the, or the ranged weapons is where you get a little more freedom and a little more customization. But even, even the melee weapons, you can customize, uh, skills and abilities into them as well. There's socketing, Stu, very much like Diablo. Yeah. And augmenting. So, um... Yeah, so enjoying that game, and it just keeps opening up. Yeah. Like, I keep thinking, oh, maybe I'm getting close to the end, and it's just like, no, and the end game pops, is... Yeah. yeah, and the end game, when I do get there, will just open up even more stuff that I can do. So that's, Yeah, that that's really neat as a tease. There are very few games that manage to actually encapsulate that really very well. Like, where you have a goal and you accomplish it, and they put another one in front of you that seems achievable, but is kind of a ways out and takes some effort. And when you get it, you still feel good. And oh no, that's not the last thing. There's something else. And blah, blah. <laughs> yeah, that, I mean that happens. Uh, I mean to, to be clear, the story for Monster Hunter isn't great, but the the gameplay. Really yeah, 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 yeah. And that's the that's the big yeah. thing. So yeah, I, uh, yeah, um, I, I was going to liken that to a story where you're kind of going chapter by chapter, but it is a mechanical thing. You know, <laughs> yeah. like in, in a, the easiest example is like in a Diablo game where you go act by act and then you go up a difficulty and go act by act and then go up a difficulty. And it's that kind of, you always feel like you're progressing and you always feel like, Oh, this is the, the next thing and it's there. But when you achieve it, there's something else. I don't know. Just, the right breadcrumbs, maybe? I don't know. <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, I mean, that's all I yeah. got. That's all I got for this week for uh, yeah. for Monster Hunter. And, I mean, for all my games. So that's that's really all I did. So I think, Stu, unless uh, there was anything else you wanted to discuss, I think maybe that might be it. Uh, I have, I have nothing further. Okay. Um, so then I think what I, we'll just close this this, uh, this bad boy off. So I want to thank you, Stu, for being here. And I want to thank the listeners for taking the time to listen. And hopefully they enjoyed themselves. Uh, we went on some pretty interesting tangents this time around. Um, I'd also like to thank Dimitri, uh, our, our man behind our, our intro and outro music. 
uh, if you want to know more, uh, he's on Fiverr, and I've got a bunch of information for uh, about him on our website. So just uh, just go to learnfromgaming.com and look up uh, the blog post on our intro, and you can learn more about Dimitri. If you want to know more about Learn From Gaming, we're um, we're on social media. So we're on Facebook. Uh, we also have a website, which you should probably go to, which is www.learnfromgaming.com. Uh, we're on Twitter. Um, and we're on all of the outlets that allow you to listen to us right now. So however you're hearing this, uh, we're on it. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> Hooray. Um, and uh, other than that, did you want to do any shout outs quick, Stu, before we close this bad boy off? Um, the, I don't know if I've mentioned him before, but I'm still listening to it. So it's fine if I haven't, I'm going deeper. Um, the, the LPs that I've been listening to lately are done by Christopher Odd. Go check him out on YouTube, on Twitch. He's, I don't know, he's, it's been good. I enjoy him. Boom. That's been, <laughs> okay. The last, whatever games I've been listening to uh, recently have all been him. So. Okay, yeah. cool. All right. Well, I'll make sure to include a, uh, a link in the show yeah. notes. Okay. Well then, uh, hey, again, thanks for joining us and tune back in soon. Yeah, like next week or two or a month. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Okay, bye. <laughs>